are listening to Spitball with Adri Paul Holt Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Spitball. <laughs> I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows, and joining me this week is my ever-present and ever-awesome, you get the gist of things by now, it is the one, the only... Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. I hope you're not cutting down on my intro there. I'm loving these long intros. Um, well, you know, we are trying to work towards something a little bit bigger, as I uh, may have mentioned previously, so um, just bear that in mind. If, if the intros do get to, uh, to start shortening, then uh, it may be because it's a bit of a a build up into something a little bit cooler and a little bit swankier so um you will have to wait and see on that front but how have you been buddy yeah not bad not bad busy as ever yeah that's it trying to balance that fine line of work and university huh yeah and trying to get some football in as well yeah nice one well hopefully the uh the marginal lines are, are coming along nicely now i know we are a bit shy of time this week so we're gonna wrap up the little intro there and move on with the show you are listening to spitball the first stop on our weekly roundup this week and i'm sure you're gonna appreciate this one marcus because we are gonna start in saint louis baby we're gonna start in the edward jones dome St. Louis versus Seattle now. <laughs> what a game this was, Marcus. And you know what? It's your team, so, you know, you go right ahead, buddy. Oh, what a nail bite this was. Firstly, St. Louis. St. Louis, I don't know. Uh, Bills fan. Uh, yeah, it was amazing, really. It was it was one of those ones where you know that when you get a divisional matchup, sometimes they play up perfectly. Sometimes they're one-sided and just absolutely dominated one team. This was just half absolutely on their heels. The defense had it right. Seattle pressured. Wilson just couldn't get anything working. And then, don't know what happened. Second half, just took the pressure off, took the foot off the gas. And, of course, Russell Wilson, what a dynamic athlete he is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you only have to look at his performance. I mean, in general, Seattle didn't play uh, amazingly well until the latter stages of the game. But even still, Russell Wilson, over 300 yards passing and over 100 yards rushing as well a couple of passing touchdowns a rushing touchdown uh in that uh fourth quarter i bet you were getting quite road because it did look like he was gonna win the game for the seahawks i must admit i thought we were gonna throw it away like we did against dallas i was like oh not another lead we're gonna throw away typical you know right now we're looking at our standings and i'm sitting there going i think there was another game earlier in the year where we had a a, a decent lead and we just we let it go by and it was considering that time, especially when it came down to the, the punt with about two minutes left. I thought, well, I'll give them two minutes left. We're punting from about our 15-yard line. I can, I can just see game over written in it. And I was like, no! Yeah, indeed. Well, before yeah, we we uh, get on to, to what happened next, so to speak. So, yeah, at halftime, um, you were up 21 6 uh, against the defending champions and that's got to feel pretty good right yes and it seems that everyone's seems like san diego where you've seen it a strong stout defense it doesn't really give away much and you've seen that that's the formula to beat seattle this year stifle the offense and it doesn't matter how good their legion of boom defense is they can't maintain that sort of 
catch-up game where they're just trying to just trying to staunch the bleeding, as it were. It, it showed that second half that if you let them gain yards and actually put positive offense together that quickly falls apart yeah and uh, going into the game as well the Rams defense only having one sack all year obviously it was a bit um what's the right words here well you never knew uh, what you were going to get out of this game from that front line of the St. Louis Rams well sorry St. Louis Rams but St. Louis if you're you know word on the street and all that sort of thing um it's uh yeah great performance from the the Rams D-line there and uh, I don't think they came away with three sacks in the end didn't they yeah and it was the evenly dis distributed around pretty much most of that actual starting D-line managing to get one. A um, lot, lot of questions being asked about them, especially Quinn, because he was such a such a high um, high pick in a candidate. But, you know, he did deliver. You know, he was shutting that down, and it's the pressure they maintained. Lynch didn't really get himself rumbling, as as most people would have, would have thought, you know, on our, our run defence, which hasn't been looking great the last couple of weeks. No, I, I would agree there, and I think... Like you were just uh, saying earlier, the Seahawks are definitely set up to kind of run first, get some points and just kind of dominate possession and dominate time of possession using the run game and then just having Russell Wilson there just to kind of get them out of trouble if they need it, if it's like third and long and things like that. So um, it seems as though trying to build, building up an early lead is definitely the way to go against Seahawks and uh, forcing them out of their game plan. So uh, we come back now to the climax of the game and uh, the fourth quarter, uh, as you were mentioning earlier, sort of just about two minutes left to go in the game, ball within your own 20, fourth down, you think a punt's coming, and then out of nowhere comes the good old fake punter <laughs> Oh, my... I didn't actually see that coming. I mean, had, had I known something like that was even sitting... I mean, really, watching earlier special teams with the, um, the very cleverly designed uh, run back on the punt earlier that had everyone tricked even the cameraman bless him you should have known that there, there was trickery in the playbook um that jeff fisher was could have pulled out yeah agreed and that that punt from from earlier on obviously um it's amazing isn't it how it's like a pack mentality everyone runs where where they think rather than watching the ball all of the seahawks coverage guys followed all of the rams guys to where they were leading them to rather than actually watching the ball and and actually knowing where the the punter was going to kick it himself. I mean, surely they must know where their kicker tends to punt the ball in those situations, bearing in mind all the other teams happen to know that when it's in that sort of situation, when he's trying to get it down inside the 10, the Seahawks punter always punts it to the left of the field. So you would have thought they would know that too. (laughs) If they didn't, uh, they do now. Yeah, they certainly do. I mean, a great return as well. Going back, what was it, about 80-something yards as well? Yeah, 80-something yards, yeah. Yeah, having caught the punt over his shoulder, which is uh, no mean feat in itself. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just a dynamic play. It just seems to me that, you know, when a team fights out these very close battles and games are won and lost in such limited capacity, it is these sort of extra plays on special teams often an overlooked portion of the game that ultimately sort of hands you a W or an L in your game column. Yeah, and just coming back to that as well, because I'm just trying to look up the the rules on this, because there's something that um, Pete Carroll was complaining about, obviously, to all of the officials during the the return. And whilst it was a great return and great deception, um, you'll find that Tavon Austin actually signals for a fair catch during the return. Now, I know um, that's what Pete Carroll was complaining about, that, that a member of the receiving team called for a fair catch. 
catch yet. Uh, obviously, the guy who caught the punt on the other side of the field actually ran it back despite the fair catch signal. Now, I mean, I don't know what your knowledge of, of this particular rule is, Marcus, and do we know if it's anyone on the receiving team signals a fair catch, then that means that instantly whoever catches it has to take the fair catch or is it only if you're the actual receiver of the kick yeah i wasn't too sure about this rule i thought as pete carroll did that if anyone calls a fair catch no matter what happens it is fair caught um once the ball has been received but it didn't look like the refs were having it any other way they carried on the extra point was kicked and that was kind of the end of that but i'm sure that there's got to be a rule debate or at least an overview a check a review of some kind brought into it this week. Yeah, I agree. I'm just having a, a quick look at it now um, and the definition of it on the, the rule book. So, uh, a fair catch is an unhindered catch of any, uh, sorry, of an airborne scrimmage kick that has crossed the line of scrimmage or of an airborne free kick by a player of the receiving team who has given a valid fair catch signal. And looking through it, Obviously, your valid fair catch signal is valid if it is made while the kick is in flight by a player who fully extends one arm above his helmet and waves it from side to side. But it doesn't actually say whether that's the kick receiver or if it has if it can be someone on the uh, on the same side. So I think that's going to very much be up in the air. And uh, maybe if there's some. NFL rule experts out there maybe they can get in touch with us hey guys if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com drop us a comment on the page let us know your thoughts on the fair catch rule so all in all a great win for the Rams and I think we should now move on to our next game Marcus which is going to be the Dallas Cowboys versus the New York Giants a big NFC East grudge match we know these division games in the nfc east uh, are always worth a watch always uh, big competitions big hits great skill involved there's a lot of uh, great quarterbacks in that particular league so um you know what did you take from that one you knew this was going to be a mean gruesome um matchup opening kickoff there was already handbags being swung that's what the nfc east is about and it really does and it really asserted for me just how prominent Dallas are in the league this year. Yeah, Dallas are playing some amazing football this year and they lost their first game, didn't they? And then everyone was talking about how bad they are, how bad that defence is. Um, they went on and signed uh, Rolando McLean, didn't they? Uh, out of free agency, signed him to the practice squad. Before you know it, he's in the team. And what a season uh, McLean is actually now having and a massive impact. He's uh, having filling in for Sean Lee on that defence. It seems to be Dallas um, love their bad boys and you come there with a bit of a reputation but as long as you deliver on the pitch they do not care and he is just exerting himself in that defensive linebacker role because there's a few other members of like um, like Church and Safety he's been absolutely great just really dominant um, not really allowing that many of the really deep hindering plays and then coming up into run support. We, but Romo just looks so much more comfortable in the pocket this year, whereas we've seen him in the last couple of years, always on the floor, taking big hits. Sorry, Marcus, I, I, I was listening, but I was also just doing a little bit of revision, actually, on that fair catch rule. Now, I have found something um, rather interesting and um, apologies to all our listeners out there for just quickly cutting away from the uh, the Cowboys-Giants game, but I think this is well worth mentioning. So, under the restrictions on 
in Article 3 uh, of the fair catch rule. If a player of the receiving team makes a valid fair catch signal uh, and the ball is not touched by a player of the kicking team, the following apply. So it gives a couple of couple of answers under the article, but the third part under Section A of Article 3, just you know, so you know where to find it in case you decide to do the same, it says... If the ball is caught or recovered by a teammate who did not make a valid fair catch signal, the ball is dead immediately. But it is not a fair catch. The ball will next be put in play by a snap by the receiving team at the dead ball spot. So does that not say that if anyone on that receiving team makes a fair catch signal, the ball is dead? But, you know, it is. it was a touchdown. It was a reviewable play. Um, so, again, make up your own opinions. But even though it was great deception... Um, unfortunately, it shouldn't have stood. But anyway, uh, so we were back to the Cowboys and Giants game. One thing I want to mention, of course, uh, when we talk Cowboys this year, DeMarco Murray has set the new record for 100-yard rushing games to start the season uh, with seven games in a row with over 100 yards on the ground, uh, surpassing the legendary Jim Brown, who previously set it at six. Considering we are in a pass-heavy league um, at the moment, or this this sort of era is very dominantly pass-heavy, the fact that a running back is putting up that sort of numbers and creating that sort of impact on the field is just outstanding to see. Absolutely, and the the one scary thing for me is, and it just goes to show you uh, how great the actual season rushing record is set by uh, Eric Dickerson, is that if you uh, take DeMarco Murray's average per game after the first seven games, uh, it means that he's going to end up with about 2,083 yards, there or thereabouts, give or take, which will still fall about 20 yards shy of the single-season rushing record. Uh, it's just crazy isn't it that is something yeah I mean and this was a record that was set in Dickerson's second year I believe oh I'm not sure thanks for the support but um, (laughs) 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 we'll have to just uh, take my word for that for now Um, I hope that I got that right bearing in mind I only watched the football life on Dickerson about two weeks ago so um, let's hope my memory's not too bad and that that is correct on with the game Tony Romo again having another great game Marcus we said a few weeks back this is why Jerry Jones has kept the faith in him why he's always been number one no matter how he's had a few turbulent times shall we say and a few moments he'd rather forget this is why I think he's always instilled and paid him that money instilled the faith and always been Romo up front because I think he knew a season like this was always on the cards. Yeah, and at six and one, they're in very, very strong position in that NFC East um, to to come away with a division title and, and make it to the playoffs at the end of the year. And if they're knocking off teams like Seattle along the way, then they stand a very, very good chance of getting far into the playoffs. Yes, and of course, it's the dominance inside their division which has been so good so far. I mean, if you're going to make the playoffs. You've got to win your division. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the absolute fundamental, isn't it? You do have to beat the teams in your division. So just finally then, on the Dallas-New York game, Odell Beckham had a, another interesting game. He only had four receptions, but two of them were touchdowns. And there was a, a nice moment that I've seen at the end of that game where him and Des Bryant were swapping shirts, kind of uh, English football style, swapping shirts at the end of the game. I thought it was quite a nice touch. Yeah, I didn't see this point, but I did see um, two of the actual touchdowns for Beckham and they so need this in New York I mean though they didn't win the game the fact is they got 
the the production out of Beckham because of course he didn't start at the beginning of the season and he's only I think it's only his second game. Yeah, it is it's his second game? Yeah, because I've had him in my fantasy team a couple of weeks now. So, and this is why he was drafted by the Giants because of this this playmaking ability. And if you see this going forward, you needed someone to be the extra set of sure hands. Now, I believe Cruz wasn't playing tonight as well. Cruz is is out for some time, isn't he, with that knee injury? Well, they've, they've gone on about it a lot in the NFL this year because there's been a lot of injuries. The next man up sort of ability of players to... We've got a man down. Who's going to be the next man up? Who's going to step up? Who's going to be fill the shoes? You're right. There's been so many in the, the NFL that you really don't know what's going on. We've even had players injuring themselves during their sack celebrations, haven't we? So it's just been a crazy year and a couple of big injuries. I'm going to slide this over to Buffalo now. You've given me a little pathway there that I can steer it in that direction. Um, some big, <laughs> big injuries for Buffalo in the backfield with um, CJ Spiller now out with a, a broken collarbone and he is on the uh, injury reserve uh, to return list, uh, which means he can return back in week 16. And uh, Fred Jackson out, not sure how long, with his groin injury. So during the last part of that game against the Vikings this weekend, we only had one running back active on the roster. It seems such a shame because Spiller injures himself on an amazing 60-yard run. Yeah, it was an amazing run. And then just at the end of it, when he's hit the ground, it looks like, he, well, he's obviously that's where he's fallen badly on his shoulder. Also, just coming back to Victor Cruz, so I know we're kind of uh, <laughs> bouncing back and forth a few different games so apologies for the digression as, as always but Victor Cruz uh, season ending injury so that, that's that's him done yeah so it's it, it is a shame because of course he is such a vital cog however like I said so much this year teams have looked for the next man up who's going to step up especially these big injuries who's going to fill the big shoes you're on the biggest stage the NFL now is your time to shine or are you going to not reach your expectation? And actually, again, this is just crazy that I'm coming back to it, but the, uh, the the Seattle game, when we're talking about next man up, obviously Percy Harvin this week traded to the New York Jets for a, an undisclosed uh, mid-round draft pick, and the next man in line to be the, the big part of their offence, Doug Baldwin, ended up having a massive game. Lots of third down, long third down conversions that were completed, mainly due to A, Wilson's ability to stay alive in the pocket, but also the fact is that ability to fight for those, a few of them, you know, he, he's caught the ball two yards behind the um, the line to gain, and he's actually made himself present to fight over that and get that first down. Uh, we'll leave those games there for now. I, I promise we'll, we'll try try not to come back to those. Um, but, you know, if Marcus sets me up, I'm going to kind of slide along that way. But uh, moving on, New Orleans versus Detroit. This was another game that came right down to the wire this week. And, uh, and what a game it was. Two, you would expect to see high-powered offences. But yet, at the moment, it's Detroit's defence that are making waves and uh, making a name for themselves. Number one in the league, yes. Um, yeah, I'm assuming they'd probably still be number one after this week, despite giving up over 300 yards to Drew Brees. Yes, it was definitely going to be a difficult game because, of course, you can't just sort of play out or shut out the, the New Orleans Saints because they just the offense just won't allow it to. It's too good an offense to to be shut out or or silenced for too long, and it, it really came down to it was the last couple of minutes where it was 
highly unstable for both teams. We wasn't sure which which way the game was going to swing. Yeah, and I think we had back-to-back interceptions at one point. <laughs> I think uh, Glover Quinn got the, the interception for the Lions and then Stafford threw it straight back to the Saints. So that's something I want to talk about, actually, is uh, Stafford this year. Firstly, it pains me that I've had to drop him from my fantasy team this year just because he's, he's just not getting it done. But why do we think that, that Stafford's struggling so much this year? I mean, Calvin Johnson's only actually missed uh, one full game uh, and he missed um, a lot of the, the Buffalo game. But surely that can't be the reason why Stafford's playing so badly this year. I mean, they were saying that he's had something stupid like an average of at least two turnovers um, in his last nine home games. The ratios between touchdowns and interceptions, he's already always been a bit interception heavy shall we say but he normally is consistent enough that he actually manages to get in enough touchdowns to make him still quite a prominent quarterback however I don't know what's going on but like you said the system this year he seems to be very uneasy and the fact is that the the takeaway ratio is just it's, it's it's a little heavy on the on the wrong side yeah, and that they're having to have the number one defense to to keep them in the games. Otherwise, uh, they definitely wouldn't be five and two at this point in the year. Yeah, and there were lots of close games like like this week. You know, in, I mean, one point. It's there's there's been a few. I mean, if we go back, I don't think there's many um, other teams who who have won as many say single possession games. I would have to agree. Uh, I don't think. Uh, Buffalo have had one big win against Miami this year, but the other games have been very, very close. Obviously, the uh, the overtime win in Chicago, the field goal win in Detroit, and uh, this week the the one point win against uh, the Vikings. So that they'd be the only other team uncannily that I can think of. I mean, again, Buffalo. I, I know we're flicking between things. Another one who quarterback inconsistencies seems to lead to these very nail biter games. Yeah, not that we're going to complain, obviously, um, because it does make for, for great entertainment unless it's uh, both of our teams involved like it, it was this week, where it's very much <laughs> edge of the uh, edge of the seat and, uh, dare I say, squeaky bum time if, you, if your side is uh, in the lead. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was rather uh, nerve-wracking. But anyway, we don't go. So back to, to Stafford. I, I can't quite put my finger on why he's doing so badly this year I mean um, on a plus note for him Golden Tate is has coming along really well and, and actually really stepped up this week a lot of people weren't sure whether he'd be able to have a big game receiving wise um, especially that he doesn't have didn't have the distraction of Calvin Johnson on the other side drawing the coverage away but he still managed to come away with 154 receiving yards and a touchdown against New Orleans Saints now do we think that's him playing well or it's because we know the Saints defense isn't actually as strong this year in particularly with the loss of Jarius Bird. I think it's a, a little factor of both. The fact is that we just mentioned uh, next man up ability and I think Golden Tate has taken that responsibility on and he has got the skill to pay the bills. But at the same time, when you are going against a defence, especially secondary, that is in, say, the bottom half of the tables, as it were, then that's only going to make your job maybe a bit easier still got to break the coverages and you've still got to get open the fact is that there's definite relationship building between Tate and Stafford now you're going to like this one he may have the skills to pay the bills but he hasn't got the skills to beat the bills
Yeah, groaned. Sure everyone out there listening has just groaned. Uh, yeah, not to mention uh, admired the tumbleweed that's just gone flying by. <laughs> um, yes. So, yes, uh, as we say, in that game, the Lions coming away with a one-point victory over the Saints, uh, 24-23. Brings us on now to Green Bay versus Carolina and a tale of the form of two quarterbacks again one who is playing uh, possibly the the best football of his career so far and the other is Cam Newton <laughs> <laughs> oh my word did the um, the wheels fall off the Carolina wagon in a big way up north in Green Bay yeah immensely so I mean admittedly they were put under a lot of pressure by Aaron Rodgers because I'm not lying when I say he is definitely playing some of the, the best football of his career so far you just have to look at his his completion percentage how he's throwing the ball and uh, it's obviously helped by how open Jordy Nelson seems to be getting these days I think the other thing that's helping him is something that Green Bay hasn't had consistently for the last couple of years and that is a strong running game in this game uh, across all of their their various different outlets uh, at, at running back etc they had uh, 122 yards rushing but Aaron Rodgers uh, check this out for his uh, completion percentage 19 out of 22 passes he completed uh, for 255 yards and three touchdowns so well that's just mind-blowing really we've just spoken about Stafford's inconsistency and this is just complete reverse with the efficiency is mind-boggling. And the weapons he has to throw to, like not only you say Nelson, an absolute phenomenal weapon, but how about Randall Cobb? He's been nothing but an explosive player since he's, he's been in the league. Now, this may take you back, Marcus, and I don't know if you remember this, but Randall Cobb's first play in the NFL, uh, and I'm pretty sure this is correct, was a kickoff return that went about 102 yards something like that you remember the, the it was uh i'm sure it was it was uh opening night after they just won the the super bowl and randall cobb takes that kickoff back i say best part of 100 yards even after a barrel roll after he gets hit and uh john coon kind of helps him back onto his feet so they kind of announced himself to the world back in his his rookie year and and hasn't stopped uh providing explosive plays ever since yeah and we've seen that this year he's such a dynamic player especially in the red zone, that is where the greatest depth of a player comes out because it's great that you can get the speed upfield and it's great that you can all be the possession player inside. When you're in the red zone, it's compressed, it's tighter for the defence. So that's when you really have to work at getting your touchdowns. Yeah, agreed. And I was, I was just looking there that it was... Uh... There was me saying just about 100 yards. It was the second longest kickoff in NFL history or tied. It was 108 yards. <laughs> only 108 yards, yeah. <laughs> yeah, only only just 108 yards, you know, only, you know, just inside his own end zone. Only you can't get really you could literally you can get an extra yard. That's that's it. That'll be and it's the longest return in in NFL history because you can't really you can't get 110 yard kickoff return because that would mean you were standing at the back of the end zone to return the kick crazy absolute crazy but again just shows how great a player he is some other things then to to take from that game 
Carolina really seem to be struggling at the moment on offense. Firstly, because they don't seem to have a run game at the moment, or certainly a consistent run game at the moment. And um, whether that be uh, fully on the the shoulders of their running backs, or or maybe they need to do some tinkering with the the offensive line. But for me, the fact that they lost Steve Smith in, in the manner that they did, um, and on the back of that, then they also got rid of uh, LaFell as well to to New England, and um, that one actually really surprised me because I thought they would get rid of Smith. To, to keep LaFell but they got rid of both of them so um, very surprising when you think that both of those players contributed so much to their them winning the NFC South last year yeah I'm, I'm just not sure with Carolina's offense and great run defense you look at some of the the stars in the run defense uh Lutu Lele some of the other defensive line you've got Luke Cleekley as linebacker who had a bit of a mare of a game really and I don't think should have been ejected no when you when you watch that I don't think there's any way that he could know that that's a fi- an official that's grabbing him on the shoulder and that official definitely seemed to be very trigger happy with the flag I'm not sure if he gets clouted in the face because he's kind of got his eyes half shut as well like he's trying to uh, clear his face mask by the looks of it. And then if you're just taking a cheap shot, maybe in the scrum, in the pile, and you're coming up from it, of course, the first thing, if someone grabs your shoulder, you ain't going to think it's friendly or say a ref in this case, you're going to be like thinking it's uh, a packer with um, holding onto a grudge. I think since it's happened, I, I believe I saw something saying that the uh, the NFL have said that the ref was wrong to eject Luke Keekley from the game and, and we know that just leaves a, a massive hole in the, the Carolina defence. Not that I don't think um, at that point in the game it actually uh, meant too much because they were quite badly down at that stage. Just coming back to, to Randall Cobb, I've got a self-correction to make. Um, it wasn't his first ever play in the, the NFL, but it was still a 108-yard kickoff return, but it was in the third quarter of the game against New Orleans, following on from a uh, New Orleans uh, field goal. So there you go. There you have my uh, auto-correct. <laughs> so what we take from this game, I think, Marcus, is... Aaron Rodgers is playing extremely well at the moment and when Aaron says relax you just say okay yep you got this no worries and uh, Carolina really need to try and find their identity again yeah that's that's pretty much the the game points as a whole nice so uh, we'll finish off this segment then because I know I said we were running short of time but I've just seen how long we spent talking about this game so apologies Marcus Let's finish off quickly with the shutout in Indianapolis as the Colts took on the Bengals. Yeah, it was, it was quite surprising when you think, okay, no AJ Green, but still there's there's enough there as a great um, offensive front for the Bengals, but absolutely just dominated by a very, very aggressive Indianapolis defence. They were dominated. That was a really bad Terminator impression for anyone who was wondering. <laughs> Moving swiftly. Yeah, that, that defence. Oh, is that what that was? Uh, yeah, that, that that's what it was supposed to be anyway. So you can uh, draw your own conclusions there. Um, but without getting uh, too badly sidetracked, uh, the Colts defence just had an amazing game and backing up Andrew Luck and if they again they're another team that if they continue on their current form we could end up seeing a a Colts Cowboys Super Bowl five straight wins that's very impressive yeah um, I don't know that they've really got too much to say about this game to be honest with you apart from the fact that they're just extremely disappointed with the Bengals and that means that uh, twice now they've come up against two really strong teams in the AFC uh, in the Colts and the Patriots 
both times for want of a <laughs> I really want to use a, a really bad word that will end up getting uh, bleeped out I'm sure but uh, they really have been uh, by those two teams <laughs> you add to that the tie with uh, Caroline and then suddenly their position that that viable position in the north has, has definitely just started to slip away from their fingers and if they want to try and rectify it I mean with the fact that Pittsburgh won just so that way they at least stay in the in the hunt and with Baltimore just seeming to be quite dominant in the last couple of weeks if they want to try and win this division they've got to turn it around ASAP they're actually really lucky to be ahead of Pittsburgh at the moment because Pittsburgh are four and three um, and obviously the the Bengals are now three two and one um, so that tie is what's keeping them just above the Steelers and then you've got the Ravens at the top of the division five and two which again is that's not how I saw that division going after the first couple of weeks no no that's that's really sort of had a bit of a, a shuffle round um, and especially the fact is we thought Cleveland could be throwing themselves in as a contender but with a loss to Jacksonville you never know with this league you just never know no and, and that, that's the difference between the Bengals and the Browns is that the, the Bengals came away with that tie against Carolina whereas the Browns lost to the, the Jags otherwise um, if if the Bengals lose that game to Carolina, you're looking at, at Cincinnati and Cleveland being on the, the same record after seven weeks, which, again, just seems crazy after the start of the season. Yeah, and that, that's what we love about the NFL. Anything's possible. Indeed. And on that note, we shall leave the roundup there. Who are you? I don't even know your name. What's your name? Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. I don't know you, bro. You're having one of those days. Hey, baby. You're having one of those days. I say that to say this. If you wouldn't have did what you would have did, then we wouldn't have been where we was at to get what we got. That just don't make no sense, dog. Marcus, put your shoe on. Put it on. Jeez. I can't face with these clothes. I'm a teeth. Think I trim my tooth. Wish I had some gold so you can buy me some teeth. Now we move on to my favourite part of the show, and that is our weekly awards, the time of the week where we like to uh, congratulate those who have stood out and made a real impact, therefore becoming our impact players of the week, uh, otherwise known as our <laughs> award winners uh, for offence and Mr. Award winners for defense. So, Marcus, I'm going to come to you first. Yeah, I'm going to start with the defensive side of the ball because I've got a lovely little surprise for for offense, uh, which which Mark is going to love. So uh, let's go defense first. And do you have uh, a runner-up for us this week or do you just have a winner? No, I've got a runner-up. My runner-up this week is, I'm pretty sure we mentioned him before, but every time I seem to watch this guy play, I'm just astounded that we don't, you know, he's not a bigger name in the NFL that he is. And that is DeAndre Levy, linebacker for Detroit Lions. Uh, yeah, you're right. He he often has uh, monster games for the for the Lions and, and a big reason as to why they're the number one defence in the league this year. Like I say, we don't just look at the stats here. I mean, because otherwise you just see eight tackles and three assists. However, if you actually manage to watch some of the highlights back or if um, you guys have got anyone out there that's got game pass and you've watch maybe the condensed version of of the games back or you're watching um red zone or uh, live on sunday night the guy every single time that 
there was that you know the Saints tried to play the middle of the field. It was just he was either slamming down the receiver for minimal gain or you know breaking down, swatting the pass. Um, I didn't manage to actually track down the stat for pass deflects, but he must have had at least two or three. And the fact is, it just seems to be I've never seen someone create such a an impact in the middle yet not really have the sort of big name flashiness that comes with it. You know, that sort of doing it nice and quietly, just getting the job done. Sort of very Mr. Ray Lewis-esque. So that's why he's my runner-up this week. No worries. Well, my runner-up this week uh, comes from the game involving my fantastic and phenomenal, uh, and I say this especially because they've just won Buffalo Bills, um, and that is Leodis McKelvin, cornerback for the Bills. For Again, it's more... The, the impact he had on the game because when you look at the stats four tackles doesn't necessarily look that great but it's the two interceptions one particularly off a uh, deflected pass uh, managed to come out of nowhere and to practically take it off the floor uh, and get the interception there and also managing um, another interception of Teddy Bridgewater later in the game as well for me I have to eat a little bit of humble pie because those regular listeners to the show We'll know how I've harped on a lot recently about how uh, I don't rate McKelvin over Corey Graham, and, and Graham for me is the one that, that should be starting. But this week, McKelvin did definitely show uh, why he should be starting corner for the Bills. It's tricky with that one is is there because, of course, over all the time you're sitting there as a corner, you're reacting to, to what's around you. But the fact is that he's got the sort of presence, the awareness to, to make the plays um, on the fly, as it were. Yeah, you need impact guys like that who can just adjust whenever needed. Uh, with that in mind, we come on to your defensive impact player of the week. And Marcus, that is... Mine is one that Mark won't like because it's the Indianapolis defence. Woohoo! Yes, he's picked 11 players, Mark. Do you hear that? Uh, Mark, obviously, for those uh, listening, uh, that is our producer who no doubt has a few choice words to say for Marcus right now. No, no, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. no, 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 hell no, 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 I refuse, no, no. I think you're in trouble. Ah. You're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but then how can you deny that the entire defense came together to only give away 32 rush yards, 103 pass yards? That's 135 total yards of offense against you know a very very good you know Andy Dalton, Giovanni Bernard, Sanu. They that's got a good offense there, you know. Four sacks as well, really keeping them under pressure. It was such an aggressive game. They came out for it. At no point was there, did there seem to be one player letting the side down. They all fought so, so well, so aggressively, so virulently. I just I couldn't sit there. I mean, obviously, I sat there and I just went, when you pitch a shutout like that, it just gets you so, so much notice that that's a great defensive um, outstanding. So I was trying to pick one person from it. But you just can't. These guys just worked as a great unit together. Yeah, and in the first half in that game, they kept the Bengals to just 27 yards, uh, which is just amazing when you think that uh, a modern NFL team, uh, regardless of their calibre, uh, being held to, to less than 30 yards of offence in one half of football. Uh, just absolutely crazy. And, and personally for me, you know, I, I would allow you to have 
the Colts defense as a whole for their their shutout this week. But we know, uh, well, it's already been said. So uh, we will come on now then to my Mr. Award winner, and it goes back to the Bills Vikings game, um, but not to the Bills side of the ball. Uh, no, I've actually gone uh, with the Vikings defensive end, Everson Griffin, um, because I just thought that as well as the, the Bills offense were playing, uh, whenever we needed to, uh, to try and get something done, or, or a majority of the game when we needed to try and get something done, uh, he was always in there putting pressure on Orton, getting his three and a half sacks and also eight tackles. So, uh, well, sorry, you know what I mean, eight tackles, which included three and a half sacks. It's kind of one of those stats. But even still, from the defensive end position, he was all over our offensive line this week. Uh, and that hence why he is my Mr award winner any arguments with that Marcus Minnesota has always been a, a team to have some beasts on defense and yeah he is just dominating that defensive line yeah I believe uh, at one stage they had uh, didn't they have Williams and Williams uh, as defensive tackles with good old uh, Pat Williams and um, I'm trying to think of the, the other defensive tackle I, I want to say Kevin Williams as well but I'm not 100% certain on that so uh, please don't don't quote me on that one okay so uh, we're gonna speed along now to our Offensive impact player, um, and uh, our Megatron runners-up, Marcus. Who do you have there? My my runner-up this week. We've already mentioned him once. Absolutely outstanding athlete uh, and player here. And my uh, my runner-up goes to Demarco Murray, uh, running back for Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, great performance this week. Like you say, we mentioned earlier, breaking the uh, record for most 100-yard games to start the season. And something I mentioned in the blog as well, I mean, when you look at all of the running backs uh, around the league at the moment with your your Lynches, your Jamal Charleses, people on that, even, uh, I want to say, even though he's in turmoil at the moment, uh, Adrian Peterson, um, you look at players like that around the league and you would think that surely someone like that would be, be breaking this record. But no, it's DeMarco Murray this year and, and fair play to him. Because, of course, you, you think he was just a third round in 2011. And so not like a high profile from college, but he's really just cemented that role. That that running back position in Dallas is his. You know, he fought for it over the last couple of years and now he is just paying dividends to those who believed in him in the, in the organisation. Yeah, and, and how many times do we say it that it's not a first-round draft pick that happens to be one of the best players in the league? It's, it's just incredible, really. And it's all in the mindset, isn't it, about wanting to, to prove people wrong. So my runner-up this week for the... <laughs> award is uh, another player we've mentioned earlier in the show and that is Doug Baldwin wide receiver of the Seattle Seahawks mentioned as well he was stepping in uh, filling in the shoot well not filling in the shoes because he was a starter anyway but the fact that Percy Harvin's gone and, and Seahawks lost such a major weapon from their their offense Doug Baldwin stepped in remarkably well um, he had seven receptions for 123 yards uh, and a touchdown. And in him, Russell Wilson definitely has a very reliable deep threat to continue throwing his very sexy deep balls to. And uh, I'm sure everyone <laughs> appreciates what? all of those innuendos, uh, Marcus style right there. So, hey, it's not me that says it. It's Black Tie from the Damage podcast. He says that Russell Wilson throws a sexy deep ball. Uh, I just happened to mention that he 
would like to throw his sexy deep balls at Doug Baldwin, but that's by the by. Uh, that's going to come back to haunt me in the uh, <laughs> in the soundbites at the end of the year. <laughs> um, moving swiftly on to uh, winners, Marcus, please. <laughs> My winner this week. I don't think there's going to be any surprise here. You've that gone for a whole go. <laughs> no, I haven't gone for a whole team. No, I've already played that card. I've gone for what is going to now be the legend that is Peyton Manning. Yeah, okay, that that's completely fair enough with his uh with his record breaking touchdowns this week is that's kind of and the fact that uh, they just destroyed the 49ers. Yeah, absolutely the record beating Brett Favre now. But how about 318 yards, four touchdowns, but again, the efficiency 22 completions out of 26 attempts. I mean, it's just against the 49ers defense, it's just complete and utter domination. And the impact this guy has had in every game for the Broncos, for the league, week in, week out, the consistency that he can he can kind of bring to the team is outstanding. He's just a, a phenomenal player all round. We know he's going to be uh, a future Hall of Famer. He just keeps smashing records left, right and centre. So, fair play, yeah. A great choice for your award winner now i think you're gonna appreciate mine and i don't really think it can be classed as a cop-out just a different line of thinking because my award winner this week is john Fassell. now a few of you out there may be asking who he is but marcus as a rams fan you can tell them he is john Fassell. um He's not. He's not our punter, is he? Who threw the uh, the trick play? No. Okay. Maybe I better fill you in because Marcus doesn't really know his own team very well. Bless him. Uh, <laughs> I know that was a little bit harsh. Sorry, but a little bit cold. He's actually the special teams coordinator for the St. Louis Rams. Who Who knows their special team coordinators? Really, Bills. Go. Go what? <laughs> Your special teams coordinator. Come on. Uh, he is a very, very, very talented guy. Uh, what else do you want me to Called? Say? The special teams coordinator. I stand by my point. No, 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 that's that's not acceptable. I, I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I will double standards. You. I call I double standards. You could you could say what you like, but I'm going to flat out tell you that I know who it is, and it's Danny Crossman. So that, oh, that sounds like someone's stalled enough time to Google that. I have no idea what you mean, and I do not know that he was born on January the 17th, 1967, in El Paso, Texas, <laughs> courtesy of Wikipedia. That is not what has just happened. <laughs> so, I guess we move on from there. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. This week, um, it seems to be a pretty great week of action because 
nothing has grinded Marcus's gears, which I find a bit surprising, and and more so that nothing's actually really grinded my gears either. So uh, with that said, we're going to move on to our week eight preview and also our... So, Marcus, uh, which of the uh, week eight uh, contests would you like to talk about first? And yes, I did say contests. Okay, the contest, uh, which I am most looking forward to, is, of course, something a little bit different, um, especially if any of you guys are listening in the USA, and that is your breakfast game or our afternoon game, Detroit versus Atlanta at good old Wembley. Yeah, indeed, that's right. This week does see the second international series uh, match out of three for the 2014 season. Uh, and as you mentioned there, it's going to be a, a 1.30pm kickoff for us, uh, which for everyone on the East Coast is a 9.30 kickoff, and which would make that a, let me do my maths really quickly, uh, 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 6.30 kickoff on the West Coast. And that's AM as well, just in case you were wondering. Yeah, but uh, to be fair, I think these are two programs that have shown a lot of inconsistency. So the fact is taking them out of their comfort zone into Wembley, you never know. This could be a great thing for both the struggling Atlanta program, which when we saw in Hard Knocks, you know, we, you know, we, we grew a little bit heartfelt for them. Um, and I, I really want to see them actually do well. Detroit. You know, bumpy road, but they've got to five and two. Can they leave London with um, a little bit more luck in their pockets? Who knows? Uh, well, no, they'd probably only have luck if, if they played for the Colts. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, courtesy laugh, but we know that that's going to be overplayed with church bells and whistling winds. Yeah, so as we say, then, <laughs> second international series game uh, this week. We obviously have the uh, Trafalgar Square fan rally uh, this Saturday uh, on the 25th of October, which for those who have never been to one before, again, I strongly recommend you go. Uh, not only is it a chance to get uh, up close and post personal with the players uh, on the stage, so you'll see the likes of Megatron, you'll see Calvin Johnson, you'll see a lot of the Detroit lineup, uh, you'll see a lot of the Atlanta lineup uh, being interviewed on stage by Neil Reynolds, um, but you will also have various NFL alumni uh, on stage and at Trafalgar Square. They do also have uh, an autograph tent normally there uh, up in the in the top corner where you actually get the chance to meet the NFL alumni, and um, that's definitely something I would recommend because I went myself. Uh, a couple of years ago and uh, for me the, the Bills happened to be on a bye week uh, and I got to meet uh, Stevie Johnson, Kelvin Shepard and uh, Marcel Darius and uh, Marcel Darius even ended up giving me uh, a signed £50 note so uh, the autograph tent is definitely a place to go uh, as you never know uh, what can happen there. So other games to, to look forward to this week Marcus I want to throw out there the AFC East clash between the Bills and the Jets for the Bills it's a, a massive game because we need to try and keep pace with the, the Patriots um, and the Jets really need something to, to kickstart their season as well Jets they didn't look too bad against Patriots they just couldn't finish the drives if, I think if they'd finished drives you're potentially looking at a great upset but it is going to be the fact that I think the Bills found a little bit of form with Orton under centre. So I think if they're going to build off what they've done so far, they have to start winning divisional games like this. 
you know, just to confirm that I didn't look anything up on Wikipedia earlier, I can also tell you that Danny Crossman actually played for the London Monarchs between 1991 and, and 1992. Uh, <laughs> so, lovely bit of trivia. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Little bit of random trivia. See, I know my Bills coaches, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what other games are you looking forward to this week Marcus and we'll just kind of uh, try and bring this to a, a swift close well for me like we mentioned earlier if Cincinnati want to stay in contention the rot must stop this week and um, what better way than hosting Baltimore um, at Paul Brown Stadium uh, this is the time that if you want to try and claw something back you win at home against your division Yep, winning divisions, uh, definitely, as we said earlier, wins championships. So uh, that will be a big game uh, for them. Um, And I also want to ask you, Marcus, for your... ...of the week, please. My... ...of the week. I think this is the week that we stop having a winless team in the NFL. So I'm going to go for Oakland at Cleveland. And I think we're going to look at a really close contest here. And we're looking at about a... 55 to 45 to Oakland. Oh, wow. So you're going for, for Oakland with, with the upset there. Yeah. The couple last couple of weeks with uh, Coach Giano coming in, I think they put in some positive plays. They took, played really well against San Diego. I think they were just missing a few things. And they, they made a few key errors against Arizona. But I think at Cleveland, Cleveland are a little bit shaken up, maybe a bit from losing to Jacksonville. There's some definite, if, if Oakland can copy what Jacksonville did watch observe repeat I can definitely see another upset so we'll have no winless teams just to confirm sorry who did you say was the head coach of Oakland oh who did I say I believe you said uh did you not say uh Greg Schiano the last couple of weeks with uh coach Schiano coming in pretty sure he did but uh that we he did of course mean uh Tony Sperano um so apologies there but hey as you found out even even i I make mistakes with the whole randall cobb thing so not gonna you know draw on that too much uh marcus so uh my of the week i'm going back to the uh, nfc east and the washington dallas game um, and with how well dallas are playing at the moment how well they're playing on defense and how turnover crazy Kirk Cousins is, even resulting in him getting benched this week. I say Dallas uh, 65 to 35. So I'm looking at Dallas to win by at least 10 points against the Redskins. Sorry, big dog. Uh, but that's just how Adri sees it. Uh, there we go. So, um, well, that wraps it up, I think, for us for this week. Remember. Hey, guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. Uh, Marcus, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure, sir. <laughs> it's been really good. Thank you. We are downloadable on iTunes and our most recent podcasts are also replayed on the 1800 online network, a link to which can be found at the side of the page. Um, And also feel free to check out the other features on our website, our uh, weekly NFL blog, uh, The Lowdown. And also, if you fancy looking at something different, we also have a Women of the Gridiron page where our uh, most recent LFL Talk podcast is now available, reviewing the uh, recent Legends Cup final from September and also giving out our annual LFL US uh, awards. 
Um, and there's also uh, a new feature and a new league forming in Australia, the uh, Ladies uh, Gridiron League. So again, you can find that on our Women of the Gridiron page. With that said, until next time, football fans, I hope you all enjoy the International Series Week. If you are going to any of the events uh, in and around Wembley and London this weekend, stay safe. Take care and thanks for stopping by. (laughs) 